We've entitled our remarks this morning, The Rest of Israel. Certainly a subject that is very near and dear to all of us. A brief in Isaiah, the 10th chapter, to set the stage for our comments this morning. Isaiah 10, verses 20 through 22. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Holy One of Israel in truth. The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed, and here it's speaking of their scattering, shall overflow with righteousness. The restoration of the nation of Israel is one that, again, is very common to us, but it is also a central theme of God's plan. Some here in this room literally major aspects of Yahweh's intention with the establishment of the state of Israel in 46. And we've seen a variety of historic events since that before and since that time. I was looking the other day at a chronology of the events in Israel over the last five years, and it was several pages long, events that touched the world. There were more suicide bombings than you can imagine. You know, we hear about them, and, you know, time passes, and then there's another one. But when you see them listed, it is astounding what has taken place in the nation of Israel and amongst uh, the Israelites. Daily we are reminded of God's deep consideration for Israel as we read or listen to the world news. Typically Israel is highlighted for some reason, again, the world in some way. We know clearly from Scripture as well that the open disobedience of Israel to God has brought many hardships and many calamities upon them. Many, many sad events. We know why God has not forgotten them, though. He from Him, and actually... And we know also why a remnant, time this morning, re-emphasizing God's plan and purpose with Israel. And once again, these are not going to be new thoughts. But we want to consider for a moment what will happen with both natural and spiritual Israel. We certainly should be encouraged, exhorted, and edified by God's feelings with the nation, though saddened by their often stubborn rejection of God's instruction and direction, and unfortunately their necessary correction. But as we look, oftentimes we're quick to condemn. Let us see how easily we also are affected or infected by false teachings, and by ways that are contrary to the will of God because of the nature of the flesh. You know, oftentimes we say we can't understand how Israel could do something like that. How could they about the true God and yet become so embroiled in idol worship? Well, think about us. How easily is it, is it, how easily do we forget and how easy is it for us to forget the responsibilities that we have to God daily? God's current work with Israel in the midst of the world scheme and the sure word of prophecy yet to be fulfilled could stir our hearts and minds and further motivate us to prepare for our Lord's immediate return. Yahweh, through the covenants of promise, ensured Abraham, the father of the Hebrews, and more significantly, the father of the faithful, 
that he would make of him a great nation. Let's look at Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This is one of the first passages of Scripture that we become familiar with as we learn God's truth. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And we have seen various aspects of this prophecy fulfilled throughout history, throughout divine history, but yet there are things yet to be fulfilled that we long for. There are a variety of other passages in Genesis, such as in 15, in chapter 15, 17, 22, which record the additional facets of the promise. And the particulars are reiterated to the patriarchs, Isaac and Jacob, as well. Israel was, is, and will be a nation of favor above all the nations of the earth. God's feelings for Israel are apparent in such scriptural passages as Isaiah 41, verse 8. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Psalm 135, verse 4. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. Deuteronomy 14, 2. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself, above all the nations that are upon the earth. Why was Israel the apple of God's eye, especially in light of their many indiscretions? Frequently, they grossly sinned and they abandoned God. But Deuteronomy 10:15 tells us why he did delight in thy fathers to love them. And he chose their seed after them, even you, above all as it is this day. I'd like to read a, a piece from The World's Redemption by Brother Thomas Williams, and this is on page uh, 88 if you'd like to make a note. After Israel's deliverance from the bondage, the bondage of Egypt, they were by God's direction and under his laws organized and became the most remarkable nation that has ever existed upon the face of the earth. It is generally admitted that their laws were the most perfect and that so long as they were obedient, they were the healthiest and happiest nation that could possibly exist in the evil days of mortality. They were taken into the land of Canaan, which is called the land of milk and honey, where they were blessed in their basket and in their store. So highly favored were they that they became the repository of divine, of divine revelation. And to them we are indebted in the hands of God for the entire Bible. What advantage then hath the Jew? Asked the Apostle Paul. Much every way, he answers, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. And the Savior speaking of them says, Salvation is of the Jews. The wonderful miracles which were performed in Israel made them a dread and fear among all other nations. And on that account, Israel's God was recognized as a great God even by the nations who were worshipers of idols. We know, of course, that in time, and unfortunately it was not a long time, 
they sacrifice these, these blessings of health and well-being because they readily departed from God's laws and statutes. They were a stiff-necked and, and stubborn people, rebelling often, rebelling often against God and His laws, which resulted in terrible consequences. In the days of Jeroboam, who made Israel to sin, and Rehoboam, the ten tribes revolted against the lawful king. They were captured by Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, were lost sight of and remain to, to this day the lost ten tribes of Israel. And we know, of course, that they are not lost to God, but they have become assimilated into the nations to which they were scattered. In time, the other two tribes under rebelled in disobedience and were taken captive to Babylon for 70 years. We know they were subjected by that nation and returned in the future for a short period of time. But we know that there is a broader scattering that's foretold uh, that's not the Babylonian captivity. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, and let's read first verse 25. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them, seven ways before them, and shalt be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. All right, let's skip over to verses 36 and 37. The Lord shall bring thee and thy king which thou shalt set over thee unto a nation which neither thou nor thy, thy fathers have known. And there shalt thou serve other gods, wood and stone. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations whither the Lord shall lead thee. We see that these verses would, would also, could also apply to the Assyrian captivity, the Babylonian captivity, and the different experiences that Israel had. But I think we're talking about a particular captivity here. Look at verses 49 to 53. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as swift a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation which shall not regard the person of the old to the young. And he shall eat the fruit of thy cattle until thou be destroyed, which also shall not leave thee either corn, wine, or oil, or the increase of thy kind or flocks of thy sheep, until he have destroyed thee. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates, until thy high throughout all thy land. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout, throughout all thy land, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters, which the Lord thy God hath given thee in the siege, and in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall thee. And we know this is exactly... Happen. Let's go also over to verse, uh, verses 62 to 65. And ye shall be left few in number, whereas ye were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. And ye shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people, from the one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mine.
Their final scattering by the Romans is apparent from such passages as verses 49 and 50. As swift as the eagle flieth. And we know that eagle is a very clear symbol of Rome. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body. The permanence of this will be, and there will be a permanence in this until the restoration of the nation. But we know also that in the Lord's words here, it is evident that there will be indeed a restoration. And the Lord shall scatter them among all people. And we know this is the case today. But we know that He will bring them back into the land and will restore them to a status of, of significance in the land. The remnant, that is, those who will exercise faith. Let's look at uh, Luke 19. Luke 19, beginning at verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side. And we know that's exactly what took place in Jerusalem. And shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. And, and this is one of the reasons that, that prophecy is so important to us, and why we should understand that prophecy, and, and not be influenced by a lot of the strange uh, interpretations of prophecy that we hear today. Because we need to understand the time of visitation, and we need to be prepared for the coming of our Lord, and we can't do that if we are misunderstanding His revealed Word. Let's look at Luke 21, verse 19, uh, and verses 19 and 20. In your patience possess ye your souls, and when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. And verse 24, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And gratefully we know that the time of the Gentiles being fulfilled is very, very near to us. But we have Israel at one time in the promised land. They were taken ultimately into captivity by Assyria and Babylon. And then of course we see what happens at the hands of the Romans. We know that if they had listened to the Lord and been faithful, uh, the things that they would have endured would have been small compared to what they experienced. And we know that with all this, you know, their repeated sinfulness, because of his oath to the fathers, will restore a remnant of the nation and will elevate the faithful along to the status of spiritual Israel. Of predicted scattering of the nation, and we read that, uh, and it was some 1,500 years before the Roman siege of Jerusalem. Some 1,500 years. So it wasn't as if they didn't have information as to what was going to happen. And it's just as true for us, brothers and sisters, that we see God at work around us every day, particularly with the nation of Israel. Let us not be blind to it, but take note of what is transpiring, that we might be prepared at our Lord's return. Let's look at Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 43. Be nations with He will avenge the blood of His servants and will render his adversaries. 
and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 18. And let's read uh, just two or three verses out of this chapter. Verse 15 first. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee. And we know this prophet, of course, is Christ. Of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. In verses 18 and 19. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. We know that Israel's crucifixion of their, of their Messiah filled up the measure of their fathers and completed the national iniquity causing the captivity and the scattering that is related by Moses. There will be, as surely as there has been a scattering, a restoration. Still in Deuteronomy, let's go over to the 30th chapter, verses 1 through 6. And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice, according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity, and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the utmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he... And as we said earlier, the ten lost tribes are certainly not lost to God. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will do thee good and multiply, thy, multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. And unfortunately, we know that many of the nation will be destroyed, but there will be that remnant that will see and believe. Look at verses 8 and 9 of the same chapter. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord, and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. But we know that this will be a very real and literal gathering. Let's go to Ezekiel the 20th chapter, <clears throat> Ezekiel 20, beginning at verse 33. As I live, saith the Lord, surely with a mighty hand, and with a stretched out arm, and with fury poured out, will I rule over you. And I will bring you out from the people, and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered, with a mighty hand, and with a stretched out arm, and with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people, the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And I will call you the bond of the covenant. And I will purge out from among you those that press against me. I will bring them forth out of the country wherein they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. As for you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, Go ye serve ye every one his idols, and hereafter also, if ye will not hearken unto me, but pollute ye... My holy name no more with your idols. 
For in mine holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, saith the Lord God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them in the land, serve me. There will I accept them, and there will I require your offerings, and the first fruits of your oblations with all your holy things. <coughs> Accept you with your sweet savor when I bring you out from the people, and gather you out of the countries wherein ye have been scattered, and I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I shall bring you into the land of Israel, into the country from, for the which I lifted up mine hand to give it to your fathers. And there shall ye remember your ways and all your doings, wherein ye have defiled, and ye, have, ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils that ye shall know that I am the Lord, who, when I have wrought with you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings, O ye house of Israel, saith the Lord God. Let me share another um, paragraph or two from uh, the world's redemption. And as you can imagine, we could easily cite 50 scriptures that are very similar in wording to what we just, just had. I've listed 20, another 20 uh, that we're not going to, to read this morning, obviously. But um, I'd like to, to read uh, some comments, again, from Brother Williams. And, and this section is entitled, Beyond Comparison with Other Nations. There is no nation in the history of mankind that has had such a bearing on the world at large as the Jewish nation. There is no nation that can trace its history and pedigree back to the remotest antiquity as the Jewish nation can. In this and in many other ways it has been a wonderful people, much so that their history and present status in the world are unaccountable when compared with other nations. During the long history of this people they have enjoyed peace and prosperity comparatively for only a very short time. About three-fourths of their history has been one of trouble exile, and persecution. The great Gentile nations, Babylon, Greece, and Rome, in the zenith of their power and glory, were famous so long as they maintained their power and prestige in the world. But as soon as the tide turned, down they went. Their downfall to them meant their obliteration as nations from the earth. Where is Assyria? Where is the proud Babylon? Where is the much-boasted greatness of the classic Greece? What has become of the mighty empire of Rome? What has defeat done for these nations? They are gone. Their identity has been lost, and their subjects and citizens have been absorbed among the multitudes of the past and present divided world. Not so, however, with Israel. It might be said that Israel's fame and greatness are not so much in their past prosperity and power as it is in their persecution, exile, and trouble in all the parts of the world. Where other nations have sunk out of sight by the hardships of human history, Israel has thriven upon persecution and trouble of all kinds, imposed upon them in the worst ways imaginable. And we know, of course, all brought upon them by themselves. They are in every land and in every clime. They are in every city and every street, marked out distinctly for every other people, hated and despised, and yet they are the victors in every conflict in which they engage, except in the conflict for national existence and power as a kingdom. We have the words of Hosea, which were penned sometime in the mid-700s B.C., that have held true throughout history. Let's look at uh, Hosea. Hosea, the third chapter in verse 4. And even with this, God has preserved Israel. For the children of Israel shall abide many days, 
without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without teraphim. So Israel in many ways, certainly spiritually, has been isolated by their own choice. But once again, God has preserved them because of the promises made to the fathers of old. Look at Jeremiah 31 in verses 6 and 7. Uh, excuse me, 36 and 37. Yes, 36 and 37. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, If heaven above measured, and the foundation searched out beneath, I will also cast the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. We know that makes it very clear that he will not cast off Israel. Look at Jeremiah 33 and verse 17. And this will be one of our last readings here in the Old Testament. Beginning at verse 17. For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man upon the throne of the house of Israel. Neither shall the priests, the Levites, want a man before me to offer burnt offerings and to kindle meat offerings and to do sacrifice continually. And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, and that there should be no day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, son, to reign upon his throne, and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites shall minister unto me. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Considerest thou what this people have spoken, saying, The two families which the Lord hath chosen, he hath even cast them off. Thus they have despised my people, that they should be no more a nation before them. Thus saith the Lord, If my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers of the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will cause their captivity to return, and in this case, from their captivity, and will have mercy upon them. As I said, there are probably easily 50 other scriptures that we could cite here, speaking of the conditions of Israel throughout history, both positive and negative, and unfortunately, much more negative. When we consider the dry bones prophecy of Ezekiel 37, and we're not going to do that, obviously, in detail this morning, but oftentimes this passage of Scripture is cited to um, refer to the establishment of Israel, uh, the state of Israel. And this really isn't the message of that prophecy. That prophecy has to do, and we're told in verse 11 of Ezekiel 37, with the whole house of Israel. You know, there will be the coming together of the whole house of Israel, all twelve tribes in this day when there is flesh on those bones. And it will only be through the power of the Holy Spirit or by the hand of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, we also have evidence of this restoration of Israel. It's apparent in the birth of Christ Himself. Let's look at Luke 1. Luke 1 and verses 32 and 33. He shall be great the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Let's go to 
Matthew, the 19th chapter, and read verses 27 and 28. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the ye also shall sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Israel will realize ultimately, through God's direction, that the prophet likened to Moses has indeed come. Let's go to Zechariah 12. Zechariah 12 and verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. The promise of the everlasting inheritance of the kingdom, specifically the royal position and rulership of the kingdom, is not to be Israel's because they were Jews according to the flesh. Their restoration will be a national restoration and a return to the land. But the Israel of God, or Israel after the Spirit, are the seed to whom the promise of the inheritance of the kingdom or rulership was made. And we know this group will be made up of both Jews and Gentiles. Look at Galatians, the third chapter. And this is the promise and commitment that is made to us. And here again, one that is extremely familiar to us. Galatians 3 and verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And verse 26. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The Jews according to the flesh are the children of Abraham by nature. And as we have discussed, they play a major role in God's plan. They were originally entrusted with the oracles of God. And while the holy nation, as Peter refers to it, consists of the children of Abraham or Israel according to the Spirit, they are made so by, the by faith, by the one faith. And as we said, this group will be comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. What a great blessing we enjoy in understanding God's intent and having the potential for salvation. And can you imagine if we did not have the understanding of the Scriptures that we've been blessed with, how concerned we would be about world events today and what is transpiring. But we have a peace that comes from knowing God's plan. We have the potential for salvation. We have the opportunity to be with Him eternally. And we don't want to lose that opportunity. We know that Israel has been an undeniable and clear witness to God's truth and to God's purpose. And I'd like to close my comments with, uh, once again, reading from the world's redemption. And, and this section on, that deals with the restoration of Israel, I'm sure we're all familiar with, but it's, it's good to go back and read some of these basics of our belief from time to time. Uh, and this, uh, this is uh, actually on page 109. 
When the purging process has been sufficiently carried out and the rod of correction and chastisement has been effectually used, the survivors will be fitted because they will be humbled and instructed and brought to their senses. And these will all become the subjects of the restored kingdom of Israel under Christ, as their fathers did under Joshua, the typical national savior. We may therefore say that God is no respecter of persons as persons. It was not because he respected Abraham as a person above all others that he selected him, but it was because Abraham was possessed of certain characteristics that would be responsive to the divine purpose, though he may first have to be tried and tested severely, and gradually elevated to that standard and status of faith which should be accounted to him for righteousness. So with Abraham's descendants, God will sift them as wheat, blowing away the chaff, and will gradually elevate the survivors till fitted as the nucleus of the subjects of the coming kingdom, to be planted in the land of God's appointment, never to be moved, and where the children of wickedness shall no more afflict them. I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my own name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen whither ye went, to honor God's holy name and to maintain the truth of his revealed purpose. Israel's restoration must take place, and when it does take place, God will be justified and sanctified in the eyes of all the world. No one will be able to ask, why are these men favored? Because those who will enter the land will be of a different character from their brethren, whom we now see throughout the various parts of the world. They will have hearts of flesh instead of hearts of stone. They will be elevated in the scale of intellectuality and morality, and therefore in the highest sense be fitted for the great purpose that God has designed to work out in and through their great deliverance under their own Messiah.